Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in Detroit. And yes, I forgot to say temporary. No, I'm not re-recording this again. I've already done it four times because I keep forgetting to say temporary. Y'all know it's temporary. I know it's temporary. We all know it's temporary. All right, then. Now that that's out of the way. Um, welcome to another day of Blind Item Reveals. These are coming to us from CrazyDaysAndNights.net and NT Lawyer. Um, one of the questions I got when I suddenly changed the programming decision and said we were going to do blind item reveals instead of blind items this weekend was how can we trust Inti Lawyer? Um, I'm going to go into a whole rant about this um, sometime this week, but suffice it to say, I think that he has proven himself to be a reliable source. And that's why I trust him. Um, again, we'll we'll go more into it um, later on. I've already done an in-depth think piece on it for Generation Gossip, so I have no problem doing it again. But for now, let's head on over and get into the reveals, shall we? This one is called Blind Item Revealed Number 20, Old Hollywood, Mr. X. Hollywood stars and moguls meeting and performing for dictators is, isn't any, a new thing. The first ones to do so were this acting power couple, considered to be one of, considered to be the first of such, and co-founders of a movie studio, wined and dined with Mussolini pre World War II. Among the others, the newspaper magnate and his wife, I'm sorry, and his actress. Mistress, possible wife, dined with Hitler and Joseph Goebbels. Goebbels, however you say that. That comedy producer slash mogul, whose films still get played on TV, had a signed picture of Mussolini in his office. He even brought two of his biggest stars, who are the subject of a recent biopic for a photo op. A deal with the Sensita Studios, then under fascist control, eventually fell through. It has been debated whether that mogul whose last name and creations you see everywhere met with Mussolini for a photo op. But most evidence points to yes, he did. But he did not support fascism, as many people want you to believe. This A++ list Oscar-winning director, who many people forget is foreign-born, met with Mussolini numerous times, and had a big oil painting commissioned of Il Duce to hang on the wall of his living room. That painting mysteriously disappeared once the U.S. entered World War II, and the director went on to direct propaganda films for the United States government. This mogul wanted badly to meet Mussolini and Hitler, but he did get a visit from he did get a visit at his studio from Mussolini's son, Vittero who did a photo op in the, with the mogul and his biggest star of the studio's first decade. Vittero was also friends with number two and three. Um, so the answers. The, the first couple was Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks. Um, the newspaper magnet and his mistress was William Randolph Hearst and Marion Davies. The comedy producer and mogul was Hale Roach and Laurel Laurel and Hardy. 
Um, the, the debated mogul who was not fascist, as people want you to believe, is Walt Disney. Um, the Oscar-winning director, who people forget is foreign-born, was Frank, Frank Capra. And the mogul who met with Mussolini's son was Daryl Zanuck. Um, his studio was 20th Century Fox, which is now owned by Disney. So that Mussolini connection is really interesting. Um, and the biggest star from its first decade was, of course, Shirley Temple. You know, and Beyonce gets in tr- um, got in trouble for performing for dictators recently. As did um, Mariah Carey. And I think it's Mariah who he was talking about when he said um, the whole reason for this blind item, to be honest. Um, it could have been someone else, but I'm pretty sure it was Mariah. Because Mariah it just does not care. She'll take money from anybody. Um, but apparently, all of these people will. So, stay tuned. We have more great blind item reveals just like this. I'm going to go, and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. And, as you know, today we're doing blind item reveals. And, um, the thing that I think people should know, or need to know about Indie Lawyer, is he generally does, um, he, he generally reveals the big blind items on the 4th and the 1st, on the July 4th, and New Year's Day, the, um, January 1st. Um, and when he's doing his reveals, he, nine out of ten, he wants, um, the reveals to be in the news. Um, and you're probably asking yourself, why? Or, conversely, you're probably thinking, well, that makes sense. And it actually makes a lot of sense, because... If it's trending on Google, chances are you're going to get more page views. Which is what it's all about. So, the fact that... Um, yesterday we had a Kevin Spacey reveal, and today we have a R. Kelly. Shouldn't be surprising at all. And let's get right to the R. Kelly reveal. Now that I've given it away... <laughs> This is called Blind Item Reveal Number 19. Of course, it comes to us from Crazy Days and Nights. And it says, I don't know how much money this former A-list singer, permanent child molester, paid the parents of this one-name former A-list singer. But it must have been a big check for, to have them spew what they know are untruths. Everyone who was around back then knows the one-name singer was way under age when she started having sex with the child molester. For them to deny it just shows they have been bought off or have... The biggest pair of blinders on ever. And as I mentioned, that this is R. Kelly and um, the one-namer is Aaliyah. Now, here's my thing. There's a part of me that feels really bad that Aaliyah's name is being dragged um, through the gossip cha- channels again. Mostly because she's not alive to defend herself. She's not alive to say... You know, what the fuck, dude. But, on the other hand... This was not a secret. 
every literally everybody did know this. Um, and if you didn't know it, I don't know where the hell you were, to be honest. Um, R. Kelly and Aaliyah were hip-hop's biggest couple for a very long time. Um, and for, for people to second-guess that or to say that it's not true... Seems disingenuous to me. Um, it's just to say the least, it's di- disingenuous. Um, they were they were part of the tabloid culture. They were they were all over National Enquirer, Star, um, TMZ, and them weren't around back then, but. Uh, trust me, they would have been covered ad nauseum. Um, just because that's really how that's really how it goes. Um, but again, it, it didn't saying, and I remember I don't remember the exact quote from her parents. Or her parents did, did say, um, something along the lines of R. Kelly and Aaliyah didn't get together until after she was of age. Which is definitely not true, because she was married to R. Kelly at 15 or 16. Which, okay, if you're, if we're looking at, at of age as being legal consent, they might actually have an argument. If we're looking at... She was an adult? Definitely not. And, I, you know, I think... I think part of it is they don't want to come across as shitty parents. And I get that. But, if you don't want to be looked at like shitty parents, don't want your daughter marry a man who's nearly twice her age. And I, maybe that sounds horrible of me, but... It's true. So, again, when they say, oh, we didn't know, we didn't know. Yes, you knew. You knew. There's no doubt about that. The only doubt I might have is about um, the the size of the check that you were given. And there's no doubt that I'm going to take a break and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. And this is a longer one, so this segment might go a little bit longer than usual. Um, so I just wanted you to be aware of this. But, um, here we go. It comes from CDAN, of course. And it is blind item number seven, blind item revealed at number 17. And it says, I was a small town girl, naive and parentless when I went off to college. My mom died when I was 14 and my father remarried less than a year later to a woman who didn't want me or my brother and made my father choose between her and us. My father chose her. I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. I attended a college in the area on a full theatrical scholarship with dreams of stardom and my virginity still intact. Two short months and one college party later and I would find myself pushed down onto a bed and raped by a Brazilian soccer player who I secretly had a crush on. Like many women, I blamed myself. It didn't matter what I kept... It didn't matter that I kept saying no and was too drunk to say my own name, it was my fault and I had asked for it. I would drop out of college after this, terrified that I would 
run into him again on campus. Everything went downhill from there. I tell you all of this because at this time in my life, when I would... I, I tell you all of this because it was at this time in my life when I would call and meet a man I will call Jay. Jay was twice my age. Jay would groom me and then use me, turning me out to his music industry buddies and later M. It's girls like me that become easy prey for sexual predators. I met Jay the beginning of 1989. I was 19 years old. He was twice my age, physically unattractive but charismatic and confident. I would soon find out that he was the owner of a rehearsal studio whose name was an homage to Elvis, Jay's idol. Studio was a magnificent concert rehearsal facility, unlike any other rehearsal studio in blank, designed to cater to both local and international talent, the likes of Jimmy Miller, Dick Scott of Dick Scott Entertainment, New Kids on the Block, and Stevie Nicks, just to name a few, all rehearsed there. I told Jay my story and he pretended to care. In between the time that I was raped and quit school to the time I met him, I dated a woman. He seemed to like to hear he seemed to like hearing about these things. I didn't understand it at the time why. Jay went from making me feel like I was special and beautiful to putting me in uncomfortable situations where I was alone at parties with men or sent off on car rides only only to be brought back to their homes. Where I, w- where I was told they could make me famous, and then in the blink of an eye, their hands were all over me. Some people would say, why don't you push them off of you, tell you no, and insist they drive you home. I don't have an answer for that. I think I began to feel on some level that this was all I was good for. Nearly one year into the relationship, in October of 1989, my quote-unquote boyfriend, Jay, would ask me if I would sleep with him. I swear to you, on my mother's grave, I didn't know who M was. Jay laughed in disbelief, letting me know he was the lead singer of the band. Okay, now we were getting somewhere. I wasn't a fan. I knew some of their music. I couldn't remember what M looked like. I didn't want to do it. I love Jay. This is exactly how it was presented to me. M wanted to see two girls make love before he left the country to launch their tour. Jay was only happy to hook him up. I imagine this was something... He did more often than not for these celebrities that rehearsed at his studio to ensure their continued patronage. When I asked Jay who who I would be potentially be making love to in this scenario, he asked me to find someone. I called my ex-girlfriend and she said no. She was involved with another woman at this time and she was not having any of it. I thought of another woman who I had met at the studio whose name I won't reveal. She went on to become a big Hollywood talent agent. She couldn't do it because she had a date that night, but she did make a brief appearance for the opportunity to meet M, whose baby, she told him half-jokingly, he wanted to have. Long story short, I ended up at that night. Long story short, I showed up at that night. Sorry, these are his words verbatim. I'm, I'm very confused. Um, M greets me at the door. He tells me Jay told him all about me. I'm sure he did. He wastes no time and begins to kiss me. I'm not going to lie, I was attracted to him. But it turns out we're not going to be able to get down to business right now because the entire band is there rehearsing. Now, let's not forget M and the band, now re- represented by manager, are now on the silver path. One thing I haven't told you yet is that a, that Jay was a big big time into cocaine. Big time. 
if their manager knew this, I doubt very much he would have approved of their being there. Drugs were never my thing, thank God. In fact, I was terrified of them. Anyways, I digress. Next thing I know, I'm being escorted into a large room with a stage and there's the band. I sit on a stool and pours me champagne and I begin to realize that I'm in a situation that many girls would have killed to be in. It still doesn't feel right to me. Where's Jay? All I could think about was Jay. I love Jay. I wanted to be with Jay. Where was he? After playing a set, M takes me into the back room, a suite with a large TV, sauna, and jacuzzi. There are two other young girls there talking, and they grow giddy and nervous when he enters the room. I feel immediately uncomfortable. I don't know who these girls are. I'm very relaxed around M. We sit there watching roller derby and discussing the possibility that aliens exist. The two girls sit back on the love sofa. They have grown quiet. They're waiting excitedly for him to make his move. Where's Jay? It simply hits me. I don't want to do this. I love Jay. I, I got up to leave. M asked me where I was going. I told him to find Jay. He asked me if I was coming back. I said I didn't think so, but it was nice to meet him. Then he asked me if he would see me again. I said I'd like that. And he said he would arrange for it to happen when he got back from tour. And that was that. But the end of, then the end of the year, Jay was hooked up with tickets to M's band's concert at Blink this of New Year's 1989 into 90. I remember when he was on the phone with someone about these tickets and then he hung up and he was pissed. He started ranting about how he'd hooked M up with tons of women and that he'd even accommodated him with dildos up his ass. That never left me because they were there were certain things Jay would tell me when he got high about fantasies he had about getting it on with the same sex. I began to wonder if him and M didn't have threesomes and foursomes together and if Jay didn't oblige him sexually as well. I'll never know this. I went on to meet another man, just like Jay, who turned me out. When I tried to run away from him and that life, he came after me. It was a dark road in and out of the sex industry for years until I met my husband. I was literally raised by wolves. And this was Jack Douglas and um, Steven Tyler. And I just want to reiterate... um, for everybody nobody has a right to have sex with you if you say no drunk or not it doesn't matter no means no consent is important and it's also important i take a break and come right back and i'm back and this reveal kind of goes along with the story that we did earlier this week um where um, we talked about um, a certain singer that um, that has been having a very scandalous time as of late. Um, and it's, it's generally not her fault, even though it kind of is her fault. I don't know if that makes any sense. It'll make more sense once we get to the actual reveal. Um, so, let's get right to it, shall we? This is Blind Item Revealed number 14. Um, and it says, This former manager to a permanent A-lister settled one lawsuit but still thinks she is owed more and is threatening to reveal a bunch of secrets unless she gets more. The answer is Mariah Carey. And NT notes, And since January, there have been increasingly scandalous secrets leaked. 
Um, we and as I mentioned, we did talk about Mariah Carey earlier um, in the week with her manager and her former assistant battling it out, and her manager basically saying, you know, Mariah Carey did nothing to stop this, um, and she she could have, and if she doesn't step in and settle this lawsuit. I'm going to reveal a bunch of damaging information about her. And as I said back then, um, in that episode, and I'm going to say it again, Mariah Carey can most definitely be held accountable if she was told of the sexual harassment. There's not a doubt. The law is very clear in this. If, a, if an employer is aware that harassment is happening and they do nothing about it, they can be held accountable. However, and this is where I think it gets a little bit sticky. It seems as if the manager and the assistant were engaging in risque behavior together. And it was only after the manager and the assistant were fired that the behavior became unprofessional and unwarranted. And from what I've read about the situation, which probably not everything, but it, it's still a lot. It, what it what it all boils down to here is, I really truly believe that this is a a, a legal way around blackmail. I believe that they are trying to extort Mariah Carey for more money because they're both pissed off that they were fired. And I'm really surprised the judge hasn't said, hey, if you have the evidence, show it. If you don't, then don't say anything about it. Because typically that's how judges are supposed to rule or that's what they're supposed to do. Um, This is increasingly a bad situation for Mariah Carey. We've seen these scandalous leaks up to and including um, this claim of sexual harassment. And the thing is, is the sexual harassment has nothing to do with Mariah Carey herself. As far as one can tell, um, the lawsuit only talks about her former assistant showing her boobs and engaging in sexual, allegedly talking sexually to a minor. Um, And there's really no way of knowing if Mariah Carey would have known about the sex talk with a minor. All we can talk, all we can say at this point is that it's possible. Uh, it perhaps she knew, but unless there's screenshots of Mariah Carey participating in the conversation and or um, pictures of her seeing the text messages, we don't know what actually happened there, and. To drag her name through the mud like that, it can, you're only doing one thing, and you're damaging her reputation. And she has to decide how much she's willing to let her reputation be damaged before she steps in or has someone finally defend her legally. I'm hoping that comes sooner rather than later, because despite everything... I actually root for Mariah Carey, you know? I think we all do. 
And she definitely does not deserve the shit she's being put through right now. But I do deserve a break, so I'm going to take one, and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. And this is the final segment for the day. And um, I just wanted you to know that I... Um, first of all, I screwed up. I already had this segment recorded. And then I was sending Will a message and somehow accidentally called him. Um, and so, yeah. So, anyways, um, sorry about that. So, this is the last segment of the day. And I realized as I was recording earlier, that this is, this has turned into a musical, or a music-themed Blind Item Reveal. That was not planned. Or, if you will, that was planned. And, um, you know, you can't see my eye shifting, so you don't know I'm lying to you. <laughs> Actually, he, <laughs> to be fair, he would know that I was lying, just because he knows how I am. Um, he, he watched me record one day and he saw that I don't really plan anything out. Uh, I really, I truly think it drives him crazy. So, um, but, so there's that. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna get right to the blind item reveal now. This is from C. Dan, of course. And it is a blind item revealed number 13. And it says, How come some celebrity brands of perfume succeeded beyond anyone's wildest dreams, despite not being sold by a big celebrity, while others crash and burn despite the backing of an A-lister, A-plus lister? Well, believe it or not, it all comes down to the formula. If it smells like crap, no matter who is selling it, no one will be buying it. The thing is, though, that celebrity and his team thinks it smells just fine. They don't know about the little extra that manufacturers know about that drives big sales and not just a pleasant smell. So who gets the magic formulas? Well, when the celebrity perfume craze came along, there was a rush to get the best formulas. All of a sudden, you had these lap geeks being wined and dined by celebrities to let them have the best. Some were just outright... Some were just outright purchased with astonishing sums of money. Hello, Beyonce. Other of those were acquired the old-fashioned way. Perfume casting couch? You bet. A-list everything in her mind spent a weekend with, with the decision maker, and she got a massively big hit. Permanent A-plus list quote-unquote singer was happy to spend a night with the decision maker, and she got tens of millions of dollars in return. This former A-list singer, international box office star, cheater, on her first husband, hooked up with the guy in charge a couple of times and also had a huge hit. Someone you might not expect, this permanent A-list solo singer and in a group. As a bonus, this former back-in-the-day A-plus list reality star hit the casting couch, but apparently didn't give her best effort, so the decision maker didn't give a very good product. Here are the reveals. A-list everything in her mind, Jennifer Lopez. Permanent A-plus list quote-unquote singer, Britney Spears. Former A-list singer, international box office star, cheater on her first husband, Jessica Simpson. 
permanent A-list solo singer and in a group, Gwen Stefani. Former back in the day A-plus list reality star, Paris Hilton. So, notice the one of the things that I noticed right away is he named all women. I think that's because there's not been very many men who have launched... I don't think there's been very many men who have launched their own um, colognes. Um, Tim McGraw and Usher had one, and they both smelled horrible. Justin Bieber, I think, launched one, which could be the one he was talking about that smelled horrible. Um, David Beckham, I believe, had one. I think I've seen it at Target. And I don't think it did very well. I think when it comes to smells, guys don't... I, I think men are more loyal to their cologne than women are, where women are at least more willing to try um, one from a celebrity. Um, and I don't know why NC didn't talk about this, but the, there was a legend, an icon, who actually started the whole celebrity endorsing or celebrity perfume craze, and that was Miss Elizabeth Taylor. Um, her white diamonds are probably one of, if not the best-selling perfume of all time. And so it really astonishes me that she doesn't get the credit that others do when it comes to... Uh, she doesn't get the credit um, that is due for kind of starting this gold rush. Um, you know, it, the other thing that I'm really surprised wasn't mentioned, and maybe maybe it just wasn't appropriate for this blind, is um, Mandy brought it to my attention that in some of the legal paperwork, it said that Brittany only made $4 million last year. Now, we say only, like, that's a small amount of money. And frankly, it's not. But when we're talking about Britney, it is. And the reason why it's such a small amount is because the, the perfume lines, especially since she launched a new one last year, should have brought in a lot more money um, than what it did. Oh, well, than what it allegedly did. I would have assumed that it would have brought in millions and millions and millions. Um, probably somewhere around $10 million at the very least. Especially as I as I said, since there was a a launch, um, I also think that there's um, you know they're not taking into consideration all of the other trying to think of how to say this, all of the other lines of income that Britney has. And Paris Hilton made an appearance in the first blind item and in this one. And that was just completely coincidence, but I do like how it puts a bow on everything nicely. Um, I think people tend to forget that Paris Hilton at one time was arguably one of the biggest stars on Earth. We may not like it, and I, you know, it's really okay that we don't like it. Um, but I think it would be very, very 
disingenuous not to admit it that she was a really big star. Um, in that she was probably at the top of the heap. Um, certainly when it comes to reality stars. Um, but also in the tabloid sense, she was connected to Britney, um, Lindsay Lohan. Um, I, I know it wasn't Kid Rock, but I keep wanting to say Kid Rock. But you know what I'm saying. Like, she was just everywhere. She was up in everything. So, yeah, she was very big for a very long time. She had a hit single somehow. Um, Truly, I don't know how, because I've never actually listened to it all the way through. But from what I've heard of it, it's horrible. Um, And then Gwen Stefani, you know... I always forget she had a perfume. Like, with J-Lo, you know. Um, with Britney's, you know. Um, Br- with Britney's, she has a tendency to name them after her singles. Which is, I think, kind of cool. But also, perhaps, a little odd as well. But that's going to do it for me for today. Thank you all so much for listening as always. And until next time, cheers.